0: Well, we're glad to have you here On Demand. I am a fan of On Demand because you can watch church whenever you feel like it, whenever it works for you. And sometimes it's a matter of work schedule and all the other things that stop you. But today we have a great message for you you don't wanna miss. It's a message that talks about decisions and how a decision can change everything. I wanna show you how to make the right decisions. I wanna show you the power of making the right decisions. And then I'm really going to love sharing with you some of the things about Jesus and the decisions he had to make. Financial decisions you had to make, decisions about relationships, and decisions about moral choices. All of those three will be part of what we talk about today, and you don't want to miss it. So stay there. I have another word for you at the end of this, so stay tuned. It's going to bless your life. I'll be back at the end to pray for you. Stay there. Repeat the title with me, please. Say three decisions, three decisions. that can change, your life. can change your life. There's a statement that came to my mind that really helped me this week. My decisions and beliefs carry me to predictable destinations in my future. My decisions and my beliefs carry me. Look at the preacher. Say, my decisions, my decisions. and my beliefs. my beliefs. Get your hands out, ready? Say, they carry me, they carry me. to a predictable Destination. I can look at you, be around you, watch your decisions, listen to what you believe, and tell you where you're headed. You can go to school with a student and you can watch this student. He's get ups in the morning, gets up in the morning, does his work, focused, cuts the TV off, stays on task. That decision is tied to a belief system. They believe something. Where they got it from? Mom and daddy, I don't know. But they, they believe. They're people who go to work early, never late. They're just never late. They, they, make, they make decisions around their beliefs. What you believe is what you will decide to do. Beliefs are important. That's why Jesus made the statement, "I love." In Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty-nine, according to your faith, let it be unto you. Your beliefs, oh, oh man, they're powerful. They control you. According to your faith, Jesus told some blind guys, "That's what's going to happen to you today, gentlemen." It's about what you believe. I am convinced. That I cannot change your decisions if I cannot change what you believe. You will keep making those same decisions. You will always, always be in the same place because of what you believe. What you believe about women. What you believe about men. Love, romance, communication. All of it affects your life. And so you have to go back to your belief system. If you believe somebody's going to always save you, you'll act like it. You'll do things that make you depend on people. But if you really believe they're not coming, you might make different choices. There's something about a decision you make. There is a statement that was made. and it's in 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. It's not in your notes. I want to just... You might want to write it inside, 2, Chron- 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. He said, hear me, O Israel, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. What do you believe? Who do you believe? Who influences you? Who's got you thinking a certain way? I believe that if you want to make better decisions, you really have to start with your belief systems. My goal today is to give you a tool to help you make better decisions. How do you make decisions? And I want to talk about three decisions specifically uh, that I think can affect your life. But I want to show you how you make good decisions in these three areas. I want to talk about your financial life. I want to talk about your relationships. I want to talk about your moral choices. I want you to imagine that you, get in, you got into your car and you put into your car a destination that you want to go to. Now, I, I had never seen this years ago when this was new. the Navigation was new, and it was a friend of mine in Texas. He had a BMW, and he, he put this thing in, and I was amazed. I had never seen it work. You, you, you put it in your phone or you put it in your car, and it takes you to your destination. So basically, you make a decision. You put it in. And it's predictable where you're going to end up. So here's a question, three questions. How do you set your navigation to do better financially in your life? What decisions can you make? Can you type into your life that will improve your, fin- your finances? What decisions can you put into your life? What navigation, if I can say that way, can you put into your life that would improve your relationships? If I can get you to put a particular thing into your life navigation, all your relationships will change. Imagine that. And lastly, how about your moral boundaries and choices? What what can I get you to put into your moral life, your moral choices that can change your life forever? Now, here's what I've learned. Most people that have challenging lives, one of the three of these is involved. It's a moral choice you made years ago with somebody or something or something that embarrasses you. That's a moral choice. For many people, it's their, it's their inability to relate. It doesn't matter who it is. Husband, wife, job, friend, it doesn't matter. Anytime you enter into relationships, you run into trouble. What can I get you to do today? What decisions can I get you to make that would change all of that? Well, I want to start by listing them. I call it decision number one, and I want to talk about money, and I want to surprise you. I want to talk about how you deal with your money issues. Now, let me back up and tie this to the year. If you're going to cut a new path in your life, if you want to go in a better direction in your life, you've got to make better decisions. That's what we've been talking about, and we've been talking specifically about better money decisions, but I'm not going to stay there today. I'm just going to hit that and run for a minute because I want to take you, take you down the road a bit on some other issues. But I want to briefly just say there's a story in John chapter 19, verse 26 to 27. I want you to listen to this story. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, by the way, the disciple is John. Behold your mother. And from that hour, read it with me please, that disciple took her to his own home. His own house. Jesus is on the cross and before he dies, he makes a financial decision. Before he dies, he looks down and says, hey, oh, forgot something. Before I check out. Mom's, mom needs a place. Now, I now want you to think about this for a second. I don't know if you know this, Jesus had a family. He had brothers. He had four brothers by name. Now, some of you didn't know that, so note with me if you would, please. Jesus' siblings are listed in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 through 57. And here's what the people who grew up around Jesus said, trying to figure out who Jesus was. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? Aren't these the folks to come fix your house and add a room on? Isn't Jesus the one fix my roof? That's what we're talking about. He's a miracle worker. Yeah, that's him. Add it on my, 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 my kitchen. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called who? And his brothers. He had a brother named James. Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Now, Judas is believed to be Jude. So they believe that James was, the book of James was written by his brother, and the book of Jude was written by his brother. Now, what was fascinating though is he's on the cross, he's dying, and he and, and by the way, it even goes on to say he had sisters too. So he's got brothers, he's got sisters, and his mother is standing there watching him die on the cross, and he doesn't say. Go live with your children. I'm just thinking. Isn't that amazing? You would think that, if there are four brothers and sisters, that if you were dying, if I was dying, I wouldn't have to worry. But some of you would say, in my family, you would. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, no. yeah, I know it. I know what Mary going through. Because in my family, I know some siblings that wouldn't be a help. I'm amazed that he gets John, a disciple. Uh, somebody that he's recordedly been around only for about three and a half years. Now, it might have been longer, but we only have a record three and a half year relationship. A couple of things stand out to me. One, he's making a financial decision on the cross, handling his last bit of business while dying. He may be dying, but he had not forgotten about his responsibilities. And, and what's amazing is John steps up with no hesitation. And the Bible doesn't say that his siblings came in later. From that moment on, she stayed with him. Now, John had his own journey, but what's amazing is how conscious he was of his financial reality and responsibilities. And he had people around him who were financially responsible. You know, I, I, I think this is amazing. Jesus cared about his money issues. Do you? Are you a participant that is, engage with your world's real money issues. Can you say real, real. money, money. Issues. Real issues? Jesus was so aware he knew not to send his mother over there. He knew that wasn't safe. Jesus knew exactly who to send his mother to. He knew she'd be taken care of. Now, I want you to understand, especially in a culture where women don't have the, the privilege that men have. It was really important to have a, a man in your life who, could, who was responsible. And so this was, this was amazing to me that he was aware. He was knowledgeable about what, what the Bible calls the state of his flocks and his herds. He knew. Do you know? I want to tell you something. You can be a spiritual person. You can pray. You can talk to God. You can sing. You can dance. You can spin around and speak in tongues. But if you are not paying attention to your world issues... Now, I want you to do this. This is something I love to do. Say, my, My. come on, put your hand on yourself. Say, my My world world issues. issues. You. So what if your husband wasn't here? What would you do? What if your kids, what would you do? See, my world issues. I've seen churches get so busy focused on the world, they forget their church. They forget their, their bills, their responsibilities. Are you thinking about yourself, your world issues? Are you in touch with the truth? I can get real practical. You don't even know what insurance papers are. You don't know how much insurance you got. You don't know how you pay for a funeral. If you drop dead today. You don't know who you just hope somebody pay for it, have, have a family offering. You're not thinking about your issues. You're not thinking about your health. You're so busy helping somebody else or some institution or some job. You're not thinking about you. You've lost touch with your issues. My issues. Man. Am I in tune with me? It's easy not to be. Second issue I want you to look at. Decision number two. And I gave you some other research you can look at there in your notes. How do you deal with your relationship issues? Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Here's what I want you to remember. This is important. Are you a positive investor in your relationships? Are you the kind of person who's a positive investor in your relationship? Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, repeat it with me please, that every kingdom kingdom divided divided against 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 itself is brought to desolation and every city, and every city. Our, house, our house pause right there every city or house every city or house my my house your house divided against itself will not stand that's jesus promising you you will fail if you don't pause <laughs> and make a decision It will carry you to failure. And you can go to counseling forever. You can do anything you want. It doesn't matter. As long as you allow that to happen. And and I, I just really get, I really get that I need to focus on that part of my life. Because every church divided against itself. Every house. What's really sad is we get used to being divided. And we think we get a pass. But ask old people. Ask people who have lived long enough. Every house. Every church. Every staff. Every family. Divided against itself. Decide how important this is to you. This division. Decide how much it means to you. That issue. Is that issue worth this result? Am I willing to let that happen for this reason? And lastly, decision number three, how do you deal with your moral issues? Have you decided, like Adam and Eve, not to believe what you're told? Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible is a story about people who knew. Kids asked me this great question yesterday in the camp this past week. Pastor Rick, so let me understand this. Pastor Rick, I have a question. <laughs> so God was mad because they ate some fruit. What's wrong with eating fruit? So God killed everybody because they ate some fruit. <laughs> so It's not quite that, not really that. And so I I said no, I said just like if you told your mother, your mother told you, don't cut TV on. And then the time she leaves the room, you cut TV on. You were disobedient. I said, disobedience was the problem, not the fruit. He said, Oh, I see that. I get that. Have you made the decision to say no? Adam and Eve made a decision. We know what you said, but we say no. I'm not doing that. I've decided that this is okay. And I'm telling you, listen to me. I see that more now than I have seen it ever in my whole ministry or life. And here's what I think is interesting. We accept it. it, it you know, It's like, well, I just disagree with you, God. It's okay. I don't have to have boundaries. It, it, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, because I'm handsome or good-looking, it's okay. <laughs> Here's what he said in Romans 5.12, and I'm done. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to how many men? Oh. All men. Because here's, what, here's what's interesting. Because all sin, the kids ask me about this too. Pastor, Ray, uh, Adam messed up, he just messed up everything for everybody, didn't he? If he hadn't done that, we wouldn't all be messed up, right? I said, no, nah, it's not quite like that. Adam, I had, them all, I had four or five of them getting a line behind me. And I said, what Adam did was what we all wanted to do. Everybody wanted to do it kind of like this. You ready? All four of you. Come stand with me, please. Come. Get behind me. All four. This is how it went. Stand back there behind me. Behind me. Straight line. Straight line. Little chair style. All right. You think I should go forward? See, that's what I'm saying. That's how it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Adam was doing what everybody behind him said we ought to do. You think we ought to go party? What you think, man? Y'all see, there you go. Adam Adam was only our representative. The theological term for it is called the federal head view. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Federal. Like federal government. Think senator, congressman, that kind of thing. Adam was the head guy representing all the people who was going to follow him, all his children and grandchildren. And we were saying, go, Adam, go. Take a bite. Take a bite. Take a bite. Just one bite, one bite, one bite. And ever since then, all y'all been biting. Come on, say amen. Thank you so much. Come on, amen. You got that? All of us. We all voted based on our lifestyle. Take a bite. They didn't have to take a bite just like you did. not But look at the last statement in that verse. All sin. All sin. We all, I had a professor who loved to say it this way, students, we all sinned in Adam. He spoke for all of us. Take a bite. Take a bite. Are you still biting? Have you made moral choices that say, I know, I know, (sighs) but this is so much fun. I know, but here's what I say. Your decisions and your beliefs carry you to a predictable destination in your future. A lot of people that we're dealing with today, do you know why they are where they are? You know why their families are the way they are? I find this out the more I counsel, the more I interact with people. This was predictable. Daddy got high all the time. Kids on drugs. I wonder why. High is high. One's illegal, one's legal. Depression is depression. People are driven to do things for reasons. My decisions and my beliefs... Carry me to predictable destinations in my future. So where are you headed? Morally, relationally, financially. Where are you headed? I've learned something that I'm going to talk about next week. I've learned that I can make a decision, but I'm not the only one who pays. Some of you are victims of somebody else's decision somebody else decided to do something and you are paying for it. So the sermon is going to be called You Decide and They Pay. Now you can spend all your life talking about somebody behind you who made a decision and how you have paid for it. And you can berate your father, your mother, your cousin, or whoever it was, your ex-husband or wife, and you can berate them. But the question is, who are you setting up to make a payment because of you? Who in your future will pay financially because of you? Who will make moral choices because of the moral environment you created for them? Who will not be able to ever have a healthy relationship because all they felt around you was strife and tension? These are three decisions you can make. That can change your life. Won't you join me in prayer today? Father, I bring my finances to you. And I make a decision to operate wisely, to go to another place emotionally. I choose for this church a a bright, free future without manipulation. But with faith and confidence, God, I'm trusting you to bless us, to empower us to do good in the world. Secondly, Father, I'm praying for our relationships. I ask you in Jesus' name to help us make better relationship decisions, how we interact with people, how we communicate with people. Help us be better friends more loyal servants on our jobs. And lastly, Father, I bring to you our moral choices, the decisions we make that we know live on the border of dishonesty, the lies we tell, the deceit we have accepted as normal. We come to you, O God, because we know that our decisions are tied to what we believe, so we repent of those beliefs that go contrary to your will. We cast down all vain imaginations. And anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Jesus, anything that would tell us to go in the wrong direction, we speak against that in Jesus' name. And, Father, we submit to you. We don't want to be like Mary was. I want to be the servant of the Lord. Here's my body. Here's my mind. In the name of Jesus, every hand lifted high. Father, we surrender today. These hands declare. We surrender. And we trust you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. With every hand down, every head bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ricky Temple, I heard you today in this sermon. You spoke to me in a real way. And I want to make a decision to serve Jesus. I want my, my beliefs have obviously not been consistent with his because of what the choices I've been making. And so I come today understanding my decisions and my beliefs are carrying me in the wrong direction. So I want you to help me stop this train right now. I want to put something new in my navigation. And I want to follow you, Jesus, with my whole heart. I don't know how to be perfect, but I know how to be honest. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's the prayer you want me to pray for you, if you're saying, pray for me, Pastor, I need, I need God in my life for real. I, I need to, I may have been a church person all my life, but I've never really I, I, I get what you're saying today. I need, I need, I need you in my life, Lord, in a real way. In a real way. Can I tell you something before I say this? Look at me real quick, real quick, 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 real quick. I'm I'm scared that some people who go to church who who equate religious affiliation with salvation are wrong. In simple terms, I'm saying I question your salvation. Sorry. If salvation means, the word means delivered. I'm not saying perfect. Paul said in Romans 7, he struggled. I'm not talking about that. If I can willfully Without conscience, step on your foot and say, I'm sorry for stepping on your foot. You would question that. He said, in that day, many will call me Lord, Lord, and I will say these incredible words. I never knew you. There's a guy named Pink, a theologian. He said something I will never forget. It's a powerful statement. He said, said, um, there are so many people who think they're Christians, but they're really not saved. But they will never get saved because they believe they are. Here's how you know, I'm sorry for stepping on your foot. I get off of it. Here's how you know you believe God. You listen to him. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm simply saying you need to have an honest moment with yourself. You are not good with money. How do you know? Because you keep running out and you keep being in trouble with it. How do you know your relationship? Look at your relationship history. How do you know? Be honest. You come to that moment with God. And say, God, you, know, you and I are just not doing yeah. too good. So how about today being a real commitment to God day? How about that? Head bowed, eye closed. Ready? Last prayer. We're done for the day. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. For real. I want a real relationship with you. That's genuine. I'm not saying I'm, I'll be perfect, but I know the difference between struggling and being where I have been. If you want to, if you said, that's me, Pastor, raise your hand. Say, I'm, that prayer's for me. This prayer's for me. A sincere, I need to give my life to Jesus. Where you at? Let me see you. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? I see you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Now let's all stand. We're about to go home. Come on. Everybody stand. Father, today we leave this this place believing that you've given us in these last 30 minutes an opportunity to hear a message that will help us. Some are giving their lives to Jesus for the first time. Some are saying at home, I need to give my life to Christ. Some are saying, this is a message that spoke to me. I get it, and I make a decision, and I choose to believe, believe God's way and God's word. I, I choose to come asking for help because I want to go in a different direction. I put faith in my navigation, and I declare, repeat this prayer with me, please. Say, Lord Jesus, I come today just as I am, trusting you to be the Lord of my life. Guide me, give me strength, and above all, help me be honest with myself and with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Did you learn something today? I hope it helped you. Praise God. I hope you were blessed by today. well I pray you are blessed by today's message it's really important to understand the power of your decisions what you decide to do financially will affect your life what you decide to do with your relationships will affect your life and of course what you decide to do morally will affect your life you have the power to make decisions that can change everything not just for your generation but for generations to come so let me pray for you father I pray that the message they've heard today will cause them to pause and think about their lives down the road I pray blessing and grace upon them as they think about these three areas of their lives and how they can make better decisions by allowing you to be a part of that decision making process in Jesus name. Well, I hope this helped you. I hope you were inspired by it. I hope you learned some things you didn't know about Jesus because it really is a powerful look at the practical side of his life, how his finances were impacted even at that. He made financial plans and strategies. It's an amazing study. Listen, next week, we pick up on another study you don't want to miss that is amazing. Or whenever you watch the part, next part of the sermon series, I'm going to talk to you about how you can sow, but others can pay. That's right. You can be the person who makes the decision, but others people pay for it down the road. So stay with us. Continue in the series. It's going to be amazing. See you next time. Bye-bye.